0: This is Fundraising Radio, and today's a guest speaker, we have Caroline Duffy, Venture Capital Investor at AI Fund. And in this episode, we'll talk about this, investing in AI. How did the AI field uh, react to the pandemic? What do they invest in? How do they invest in? What stage do they invest in? And much more. So Caroline, let's kick off by you giving us some background on yourself and on AI Fund.
1: Sounds great. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, As you mentioned, I am an early stage venture capital investor and company builder at a firm called AI Fund, which, as the name suggests, uh, focuses on investments in artificial intelligence. I've been working in in tech here in Silicon Valley for close to a decade now, uh, first in management consulting, working with Fortune 500 software and Internet companies primarily in enterprise SaaS, so think SAP, Microsoft, Cisco, and the like, and spent some time in the retail industry as well. And then for several years working with large global companies, I wanted to go smaller and go earlier stage. So I went back to school, got my MBA at Stanford, where I was active in the entrepreneurial and investing ecosystem across the university and really fell in love with the early stage of company building and company formation. Uh, so I was a scout for CRV and, and worked at Pelion Venture Partners before ultimately coming to AI fund and I was the first employee after the partners here at AI fund uh, joined just before we officially launched in February of 2018 and have been here since. So a little bit of background I can share about AI fund and then happy to, to dive into details. Um, AI fund is a $175 million early stage venture capital fund and startup studio. It was founded by Dr. Andrew Ng and we're backed by other VCs, so Sequoia, Greylock, NEA, and SoftBank, uh, among others. We are a bit different in that the majority of the capital that we deploy is to AI companies that we build from the ground up within the startup studio. So many of the companies in our portfolio are ones that we incorporated and and helps to create and then funded from the first check to, to series A and beyond.
0: Mm-hmm. nice that's a really that's a model that i really love you know venture i mean venture studio backed by funds i think that should work great and i wish you best of luck here but first i actually want to discuss uh, your investments in other companies so not those that you build yourself within the venture studio but those that you find outside of it so how do you where do you find those and and which stage do you generally invest in those? So do you still invest in like pre-seed slash seed stage or do you invest later on?
1: We still invest very early for external companies. Seed, pre-seed, first check-in. Sometimes we're talking with teams that may or may not have uh, a deck or or haven't fully incorporated yet. So we still like to engage with founding teams very early, even if it's an external investment and for those in terms of where they come from, it, it varies. I would say the vast majority of those come through the AI ecosystem or network. So it's someone that we've worked with before or know of their work in in the ecosystem from a technical perspective and or someone with a deep subject matter expertise who may or may not have the same technical grounding within AI but have a really unique insight into a particular space and unique connections in a particular space that when combined with the technical work that we can help support can be really special
0: Mm -hmm. right so let's talk a little bit more about ai and which field of ai do you invest in so ai became like a large 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 field do you focus on any specific part of it or do you just are you like a generalist investor in ai field
1: we are generalist investors within ai And we also look broadly at a number of different industries. I would say much of Andrew's background and some of his his work academically was in deep learning. And so we certainly do quite a bit from a a deep learning perspective and applications there. Uh, And then lately have spent a lot of time within computer vision and NLP, but we have a pretty broad mandate for for working with companies throughout the AI ecosystem and, and large umbrella that's grown over the last several years.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, now let's move on to the topic that's trending now, the fundraising during pandemic slash investing during pandemic. So what do you think was the reaction of startups that are focusing in AI fields after the pandemic hit, was it did did it come off better after the pandemic, or was it actually damaged by it?
1: Yeah, I I do think that AI companies suffered, you know, early on from kind of just the macro confusion around what was going to happen, and maybe some initial initial hesitancy by investors to invest in those first couple of weeks or months of the pandemic. But as we've gotten further out, I see AI companies doing really well and within the pandemic, because there's more need for the technology in a lot of cases than ever before. Uh, So one use case, for example, is with detection in terms of social distancing. So that's something where a lot of companies, whether or not they were doing it before or have kind of pivoted into it, but using computer vision for understanding how many people are in a particular location, how well they are distanced between one another has been valuable on uh, on both the consumer and enterprise side really because um, I think it, it does a lot within manufacturing and industrials. When companies are trying to get people back to work, but want to get them back to work safely. That can be a value and then also in, in context where you're thinking about a store or an arena or something like that where you're going to have customers in a space. So I've seen that become much more popular. I think similarly combinations of AI and robotics in areas again where there may be limits to how many people can be in a certain location or how they can interact. And so there's been more focus on investing in robotic and AI solutions to maintain work across a a number of different industries despite the the lack or or absence of human workers and Mm -hmm. or to have them do some of the work that requires in-person interaction. So within hospitals, for example, how can you use robots to more effectively be serving medication and and that sort of thing?
0: Right, right. Yeah. I mean, AI field is still super, super diverse. And uh, I think my question is not really phrase well, <laughs> because I feel in general it was, in fact, well, I mean, in a good way and a bad way, both, and I think it's balancing each, each other out, and it's basically staying the same throughout the whole thing. Uh, but here I want to move on to the venture studio that you are backing by the fund. So tons, and there are, there are many venture studios, and basically each venture studio has its own uh, model, its own business model, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, how does yours specifically work? So for example, the venture studio that I work at, the Make It studio, we focus on external projects. We bring them on to our venture studio and then we let them go. We do not really build anything within ourselves. How do you do this? How do you build companies from within yourself?
1: Mm -hmm. So we focus on spaces and opportunity areas that we are excited about. Up front, it starts with a lot of research and investigation across a number of different industries. Sometimes those ideas come internally from folks on the team. Sometimes it's conversations with partners who identify key pain points or or needs that we think uh, AI-powered solution may be able to effectively address. And then we'll spend quite a bit of time early on testing and validating hypotheses around those spaces. So doing customer needs finding and a lot of prototyping, validation on both the business and the technical side. And then at a certain point, if we have conviction around the space, we will look for a founder in residence or multiple founders in residence to come and join that project. At that point, we'll incorporate the company and provide pre-seed funding and then have the founding team and those founders and residents come in and continue to build and experiment with that company and, and within that space, refine what the product or solution is and go from there. And then hopefully we can continue to invest at seed a and beyond for those companies that succeed.
0: Nice, and you have plenty of capital to do that. So I, I believe this is going to work. So nice job there. Uh, but I'm curious how many, so it sounds like it's a lot of work and I personally know that it's a lot of work to grow companies basically from the ground up yourself as a company that's building other companies. Uh, so I'm curious, how many of those do you test, uh, let's say, per quarter, or let's make it easier, how many per year, how many ideas per year do you test per year? Mm,
1: mm-hmm. Well, working backwards, we historically have had four or so companies that make it past that earliest stage annually. And so probably testing, you um, you know, at least double, if not multiple, multiple times of that four in a given year to to get down to those four solid companies that are on a good trajectory for continued growth. Uh, we want to keep the quality standard very high, and so we try to ideate and then be thoughtful um, and rigorous about the companies or the ideas that we decide to ultimately cut.
0: Nice, nice. And here, based on my previous experience, I actually interviewed a few Venture Studios on my podcast. And based on the results from those interviews, people don't really like Venture Studios. So (laughs) let's go back to the more Uh, something that might be applicable to my listeners, and let's talk about actually fundraising for AI fields. So for example, my previous interview that I just released this morning was about obviously AI. uh, Obviously, the company is focused on AI. And Mm -hmm. what would be your recommendation to those guys? So just some background on them. They're doing data analytics, that's all I understood on their uh, technical side, but (laughs) basically (laughs) they raised already two rounds, pre-seed and seed, and I believe are preparing to raise a a third round. What would you recommend them doing right now?
1: Mm. Well, without knowing more about the company specifically, I could give maybe just a couple of points that often come up for us with companies that are AI companies uh, and looking to to fundraising continue to grow. Uh, I think one thing is just have a, a really clear and well articulated data strategy. And that's from the earliest stage. This is important, but certainly if a company has raised multiple rounds, having A track record of of testing that data strategy and then building one that they think is both successful and then ultimately scalable is particularly important. I would say going beyond the technical uh, is important as well. So, having an amazing feature is fantastic or making gains from a technical perspective, but it's really not enough. You know, we see uh, AI as a tool, but not as a company in and of itself. Um, and so there needs to be kind of right. a broader understanding of the product, the solution, how it's meaningfully different. And I think a lot, particularly of technical teams that I see and work with, helping them to refine really what that is and, and what that meaningful use case is, is really important. And I think a follow on to that is a clear and narrow customer target or a hypothesis of one. It sounds like for this company, if they've had multiple rounds, they should have that. But again, within AI, it is particularly valuable to narrow what that first customer set is, have a really specific use case and beachhead, uh, because from both a technical perspective and a business perspective, that's gonna be important to build out and be able to initially scale and demonstrate traction. Uh, and then once they have that, uh, an understanding of the ro- technical robustness of the solution and how applicable it is outside of that narrow use case will, will be valuable for them moving forward.
0: Absolutely, great advice. And I want to move on and talk about more general advice uh, about pitch deck. So what do you think are the three must have points on the beach deck? So when you're looking at the companies that you want to f- fund uh, externally, what are the three major points that you're looking at?
1: You know, I think that it really, it it would line up pretty well with what I just mentioned in that having that clear, narrow, early customer target uh, or that hypothesis of one is critically important it's always a red flag when a company is coming in and trying to do too much all at once, Um, you know, build a a platform from scratch uh, at at first. And so having a narrower target and a beachhead is particularly important. Uh, I would say similarly, you know, having a really good understanding of go to market. I think that's even more important now that we're in a pandemic is, you know, on the enterprise side, not just what that data strategy is, but really what are the go to market channels going to be that will will work well. Um, and so having that in the the pitch deck is critically important. And when pitching to folks who don't know the space well, um, or it's a new problem, I think what's important and often can be overlooked is a crystallization of what the problem is and make that real and visceral of what the problem and pain point is that they're solving for. Uh, don't forget that before jumping into the solution and, and why it's great and better than what's out there.
0: Do you think that your, you know, this list of three must-have points on the beach deck uh changed since the coronavirus hit or not really? So was it changed by the by the fact that the coronavirus is here?
1: I don't think it's changed much, no. I would say maybe one that I would add that has changed is just be really forthcoming about the pandemic and, and COVID and the impact that that's has had on your business, what you anticipate the future effects will be, and then what you and the company have done to mitigate challenges or capitalize on opportunities that have arisen due to the pandemic.
0: Right, right, yeah, that's a really good point. I think that's, that's really important to to stay focused on the on your old thing and not even mention coronavirus unless you were really affected by it. So good point here. Um, and moving on to one of the probably standard questions that I ask pretty much every speaker of mine, which is your advice to those early stage founders trying to raise money right now during this pandemic. Um, I mean, we already discussed the case of obviously AI, but what about those who just have their idea and have some sort of technical uh, thingy going on, but no traction yet, what would you recommend them?
1: Mm. For that environment, what I would say is try as much as possible to be really lean and scrappy. So if you have something uh, technical that is potentially inter- interesting depending on, on the industry, try to stay lean and find customers Uh, or proof of concept customers and get a lot of additional data and feedback on what you're building if you are looking to fundraise and you feel like you need funds to move forward. I would recommend I still think there are plenty of angels and early pre seed funds that are willing to and excited to invest during the pandemic. So, focus on, on those and maybe raising less uh, to then prove out what you need to build. And in getting traction there and then later on raising a larger round where the valuations may be better, you may be able to get a, a larger check. So it really depends on where the product is where you're trying to play but I do think that there are plenty of of opportunities still to raise that earliest funding if you're just getting started. I would say if you have the benefit of time for for raising or want to in the future start building relationships now, I think that's always been valuable, but it's even more so in the pandemic. You know, it can take longer for investors to get to a level of comfort or familiarity with a founding team. And so, if you're able to build a relationship over time, provide more touch points, then it's a little bit less uncertainty for the investor and will make it easier, despite the pandemic, to be confident in you and what you're building and still want to invest. I would also say, you know, be thoughtful about who you reach out to, really look at investors who know your space or know the adjacent space as well and be proactive in trying to reach out to them first. You know, again, I think uh, comfort level with a space is really valuable at a time when there is so much uncertainty. So the more that you can de-risk for investors, uh, despite the circumstances, will help a lot. And then lastly, uh, I would say to the extent that you can, if It's a company that's already raised or even just raised from angels. You know, don't be afraid to reach out to them for for help as well in getting connected to to the right people. Uh, But first and foremost, try and build and test what you can uh, in, in a pretty lean and scrappy way. And I think that will set you up well for funding now or funding later
0: right right yeah great advice and here i actually want to touch on to something that you just said which is reaching out first what's your recommendation on that what do you think is the best way to reach out if you do not really have a warm introduction to a person
1: Mm -hmm. if you don't have a warm intro i think one of the best ways to do it is twitter honestly (laughs) i think people uh, (laughs) if you look across the different Uh, avenues of email, LinkedIn, Twitter for cold reach outs. Twitter has a a much higher hit rate that I've seen uh, for myself and then for other investors as well. What I would say if you're doing a cold reach out is to be Uh, Be pithy, so don't make it too long, but make a a compelling pitch early uh, on and in a concise way about what you're trying to build. And I would also say that you can make it clear that you're not necessarily trying to raise yet, and and that will help to put it in perspective. Uh, So relationship building if you're asking for Advice on the space or want to share about what you're building at the time. I think that's an easier way to engage for initial conversations than it is to send someone a pitch deck and say, we're raising right now. Let me know if you're interested or not. Um, So reaching out and being thoughtful in the message that you communicate, being clear about what you're building and why it's exciting, but then also why you want to engage initially is is really important
0: right that's actually great advice i'm personally not the biggest fan of twitter but i've heard tons (laughs) and tons of great things about it so i'm slowly but surely trying to get myself on it um so we're moving on to the last question of today's episode which is a call to action so what's that one specific thing that you would like the listener to do as soon as the episode is over
1: hmm Well, I would say, first and foremost, if the listeners are anything like me and they've been spending way too much time looking at a computer screen, I would say, stand up and stretch, (laughs) get get your body moving. Um, But in all seriousness, I would say go online and and check out some of the fun videos around GPT three, which was uh, released back in June but is getting a lot of hype now. It's a new language model with some pretty exciting and new applications for for language creation and, and generation. So it's a some fun threads on online and on Twitter to see what the future of, of AI will be.
0: Right, that's actually, even I've heard of that, never, I haven't <laughs> actually checked it out yet, Bell definitely will after this one. Um, but my personal call to action would be go to the description of this episode. First of all, I'm going to leave the link to AI Fund in it so you, you can check it out. And also, I will leave uh, Caroline's Twitter link in it. So uh, if you want to reach out to her, definitely do it on Twitter, okay? And one more thing. Uh, I recently discovered a tool called Confluence.vc. It's a directory with uh, tons and tons of cool information. There is, like, a media list. There is... Uh, list of VCs uh, who are members of Confluence. So I'll leave a link to it. Uh, Pretty interesting, so definitely check it out. And at this point, we'll wrap it up. Thanks a lot, Caroline, for coming up and for sharing your knowledge in AI field. It was a really interesting episode and good timing because the most recent episode was about AI as well. So thank you for that. Thank you for coming up today.
1: Thanks so much, I enjoyed it.